Section 7 of The Coquette. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Dahlman. The Coquette, or The History of Eliza Wharton, by Hannah Webster Foster. Section 7. Letter 41 to Mrs. Lucy Sumner, Hartford. The retirement of my native home is not so gloomy since my return from Boston, as I expected, from the contrast between them. Indeed, the customs and amusements of this place are materially altered since the residence of Major Sanford among us. The dull, old-fashioned sobriety which formerly prevailed is nearly banished, and cheerfulness, vivacity, and enjoyment are substituted in its stead. Pleasure is now diffused through all ranks of people especially the rich and surely it ought to be cultivated since the wisest of men informs us that a merry heart doth good like a medicine as human life hath many diseases which require medicines are we not right in selecting the most agreeable and palatable major sanford's example has had a great influence upon our society in general and though some of our old ones think him rather licentious yet for aught i can see he is as strict an observer of decorum as the best of them true he seldom goes to church but what of that the deity is not confined to temples made with hands he may worship him as devoutly elsewhere if he chooses and who has the right to say he does not his return from boston was but a day or two after mine he paid me an early visit and indeed has been very attentive ever since my mamma is somewhat precise in her notions of propriety and of course blames me for associating so freely with him she says that my engagements to mr boyer ought to render me more sedate and more indifferent to the gallantry of mere pleasure hunters to use her phrase but i think otherwise if i am to become a recluse let me at least enjoy those amusements which are suited to my taste for a short time first why should i refuse the polite attentions of this gentleman they smooth the rugged path of life and wonderfully accelerate the lagging wheels of time indeed lucy he has an admirable talent for contributing to vary and increased amusement we have few hours unimproved some new plan of pleasure and sociability is constantly courting our adoption he lives in all the magnificence of a prince and why should i who can doubtless share that magnificence if i please forego the advantages and indulgences it offers merely to gratify those friends who pretend to be better judges of my happiness than i am of myself i have not yet told my mamma that he entertains me with a lover's theme or at least that i listen to it yet i must own to you for whom i have never concealed an action or idea that his situation in life charms my imagination that the apparent fervour and sincerity of his passion affect my heart yet there is something extremely problematical in his conduct he is very urgent with me to dissolve my connection with mr boyer and engage not to marry him without his consent or knowledge to say no more he warmly applauds my wish still longer to enjoy the freedom and independence of a single state and professedly adopts it for his own while he would disconnect me from another he mysteriously conceals his own intents and views in conversation with him yesterday i plainly told him that his conduct was unaccountable 
that if his professions and designs were honourable he would not neglect to mention them to my mamma that i should no longer consent to carry on a clandestine intercourse with him that i hourly expected mr boyer whom i esteemed and who was the favourite of my friends and that unless he acted openly in this affair before his arrival i should give my hand to him he appeared thunderstruck at this declaration all his words and actions were indicative of the most violent emotions of mind he entreated me to recall the sentence for i knew not he said his motives for secrecy yet he solemnly swore that they were honourable i replied in the words of the poet trust not a man they are by nature cruel false deceitful treacherous and inconstant when a man talks of love with caution hear him but if he swear he'll certainly deceive you he begged that he might know by what means he had provoked my suspicions by what means he had forfeited my confidence his importunity vanquished my fortitude and before we parted i again promised to make him acquainted from time to time with the progress of my connection with mr boyer now my dear friend i want your advice more than ever i'm inadvertently embarrassed by this man and how to extricate myself i know not i am sensible that the power is in my hands but the disposition shall i confess it is wanting i know the right and approve it too i know the wrong and yet the wrong pursue i have just received a card from major sanford inviting me to ride this afternoon at first i thought of returning a negative answer but recollected that mr boyer must soon be here i concluded it best to embrace this opportunity of talking further with him i must now prepare to go but shall not close this letter for i intend writing in continuation as events occur till this important business is decided tuesday evening the little tour which i mentioned to you this afternoon was not productive of a final determination the same plea was repeated over and over again without closing the cause on my return i found mr boyer waiting to receive me my heart beat an involuntary welcome i received him very cordially though with a kind of pleasure mixed with apprehension i must own that his conversation and manners are much better calculated to bear the scrutinizing eye of a refined understanding and taste than major sanford's but whether the fancy ought not to be consulted about our settlement in life is with me a question when i parted last i had promised mr boyer to inform him positively at this visit when my hand should be given he therefore came as he told me in the course of our conversation with the resolution of claiming the fulfilment of this promise i begged absolution told him i could not possibly satisfy his claim and sought still to evade and put off the important decision he grew warm and affirmed that i treated him ungenerously and made needless delays he even accused me of indifference towards him and of partiality to another major sanford he believed was the man who robbed him of the affection which he had supposed his due he warned me against any intercourse with him and insisted that i must renounce the society of the one or the other immediately he would leave me he said this evening and call to-morrow to know the result of my determination it was late before he bade me good-night since which i have written these particulars it is now time to lay aside my pen and deliberate which course to take wednesday evening 
last night i closed not my eyes i rose this morning with the sun and went into the garden till breakfast my mamma doubtless saw the disorder of my mind but kindly avoided any inquiry about it she was affectionately attentive to me but said nothing of my particular concerns i mentioned not my embarrassment to her she had declared herself in favour of mr boyer therefore i had no expectation that she would advise impartially i retired to my chamber and remained in a kind of reverie for more than an hour when i was roused by the rattling of a carriage at the door i hastened to my window and saw major sanford just driving away the idea of his having been to converse with my mamma gave me new sensations a thousand perplexities occurred to my mind relative to the part most proper for me to act in this critical situation all these might have been avoided had i gone down and inquired into the matter but this i delayed till dinner my mamma then informed me that major sanford had been with her and inquired for me but she thought it unnecessary to call me as she presumed i had no particular business with him i knew the motives by which she actuated and was vexed at her evasions i told her plainly that she would never carry her point in this way and thought myself capable of conducting my own affairs and wished her not to interfere except by her advice which i should always listen to and comply with when i could possibly make it consistent with my inclination and interest she wept at my undutiful anger of which i have severely repented since and affectionately replied that my happiness was the object of her wishes and prayers conformably to which he felt constrained freely to speak her mind though it incurred my displeasure she then went through again with all the comparative circumstances and merits of the two candidates for my favour which have perpetually rung in my ears for months i shed tears at the idea of my embarrassment and in this condition mr boyer found us he appeared to be affected by my visible disorder and without inquiring the cause endeavoured to dissipate it this was kindly done he conversed upon indifferent subjects and invited me to ride and to take tea with your mamma to which i readily consented we found her at home and passed the time agreeably excepting the alloy of your absence mr boyer touched lightly on the subject of our last evening's debate but expatiated largely on the pleasing power of love and hoped that one day we should both realize and exemplify it in perfection when we returned he observed that it was late and took his leave and begged that i would then relieve his suspense as i was retiring to bed the maid gave me a hint that major sanford's servant had been there and left a letter i instantly turned back to my mamma and telling her my information demanded the letter she hesitated but i insisted on having it and seeing my resolute she reluctantly gave it to my hand it contained the following words am i forsaken am i abandoned oh my adorable eliza have you sacrificed me to my rival have you condemned me to perpetual banishment without a hearing i came this day to plead my cause at your feet but was cruelly denied the privilege of seeing you my mind is all anarchy and confusion my soul is harrowed up with jealousy i will be revenged on those who separate us if that distracting event takes place but it is from your lips only that i can hear my sentence you must witness its effects to what lengths my despair may carry me i know not you are the arbitress of my fate let me conjure you to meet me in your garden to-morrow at any hour you shall appoint my servant will call for an answer in the morning 
deny me not an interview but have pity on your faithful sandford i wrote for answer that i would meet him to-morrow at five o'clock in the afternoon i have now before me another night for consideration and shall pass it in that employment i propose not to see mr boyer till i have conversed with major sandford thursday morning the morning dawns and ushers in the day a day perhaps big with the fate of your friend what that fate may be is wrapped in the womb of futurity that futurity which a kind of providence has wisely concealed from the penetration of mortals after mature consideration after resolving and re-resolving every circumstance on both sides of the question i have nearly determined in compliance with the advice of my friends and the dictates of my own judgment to give mr boyer the preference and with him to tread the future round of life as to the despair of major sanford it does not much alarm me such violent passions are seldom so deeply rooted as to produce lasting effects i must however keep my word and meet him according to promise mr boyer is below my mamma has just sent me word that he wished to see me my reply was that i had lain down which was a fact one o'clock my mamma alarmed by my indisposition has visited my apartment i soon convinced her that it was but trifling owning principally to the one of sleep and that an airing in the garden which i intended towards night would restore me ten o'clock at night the day is past and such a day it has been i hope never more to see at the hour appointed i went tolerably composed and resolute into the garden i had taken several turns and retired to the little arbor where you and i have spent so many happy hours before major sanford entered when he appeared a consciousness of impropriety of this clandestine intercourse suffused my cheek and gave a coldness to my manners he immediately penetrated the cause and observed that my very countenance told him he was no longer a welcome guest to me i asked him if he ought so to be since his motives for seeking a mission were unworthy of being communicated to my friends that he said was not the case but that prudence in the present instance required a temporary concealment he then undertook to exculpate himself from blame assuring me that as soon as i should discountenance the expectations of mr boyer and discontinue the reception of his address his intention should be made known he was enlarging upon this topic when we heard a footstep approaching us and looking up saw mr boyer within a few paces of the arbor confusion seized us both we rose involuntarily from our seats but were mute as statues he spoke not a word but casting a look of indignant accusation at me a glance which penetrated my very soul turned on his heel and walked hastily back to the house i stood a few moments considering what course to take though shame and regret had almost taken me from the power of thought major sanford took my hand i withdrew it from him i must leave you i said where will you go he said i will go and try to retrieve my character it has suffered greatly by this fatal interview he threw himself at my feet and exclaimed leave me not eliza i conjure you not to leave me let me go now i rejoined or i bid you farewell for ever i flew precipitately by him and went into the parlor where i found mr boyer and my mamma the one traversing the room in the greatest agitation the other in a flood of tears their appearance affected me and i wept like an infant when i had little recovered myself i begged him to sit down he answered no 
then i told him that however unjustifiable my conduct might appear perhaps i might explain it to his satisfaction if he would hear me that my motives were innocent though they doubtless were the aspect of criminality in his view he sternly replied that no palliation could prevail that my motives were sufficiently notorious he accused me of treating him ill of rendering him the dupe of a coquetting artifice of having an intrigue with major samford and declared his determination to leave me forever as unworthy of his regard and incapable of love gratitude or honour there was too much reason in support of his accusation for me to gainsay them had his impetuosity suffered me to attempt it but in truth i had no inclination to self-defence my natural vivacity had forsaken me and i listened without interrupting him to the fluency of reproachful language which his resentment inspired he took a very solemn and affectionate leave of my mamma thanking her for her politeness and wishing her much future felicity he attempted to address me i suppose somewhat in the same way but his sensibility somewhat overcame him and he only took my hand and bowing in silence departed the want of rest for two long nights together the exercise of mind and conflict of passions which now tortured my breast were too much for me to support when i saw that he was gone that he had actually forsaken me i fainted my mamma with the assistance of the maid soon restored me when i opened my eyes and beheld this amiable and tender parent watching and attending me with the most anxious concern without one reproachful word without one accusing look my reflections upon the part i had acted in defeating her benevolent wishes were exquisitely afflictive but we mutually forbore to mention the occasion of my illness and i complied with her advice to take some refreshment and retire to my chamber i am so much fatigued by the exertions of the day that rest is absolutely necessary and i lay aside my pen to seek it friday morning when shall i again receive the balmy influence of sleep i know not it has absolutely forsaken me at present i have had a most restless night every awakening idea presented itself to my imagination whether i had sustained a real loss in mr boyer's departure reflections on my own misconduct with the censure of my friends and the ill-natured remarks of my enemies excited the most painful anxiety in my mind i am going down but how shall i see my mamma to her i will confess my faults and her maternal breast repose my cares and by her friendly advice regulate my conduct had i done this before i might have escaped this trouble and saved both her and myself many distressing emotions friday evening i had a long conversation with my mamma which greatly relieved my mind she has soothed me with the most endearing tenderness mr Aikens, with whom mr boyer lodged while in town called here this afternoon i did not see him but he told my mamma that mr boyer had returned home and had left a letter for me which he had promised to convey with his own hand by this i am convinced that the die is absolutely cast with respect to him and that no attempts on my part to bring about a reconciliation would be either prudent or successful he has penetrated the cause of my proceedings and such is his resentment that i am inclined not much to regret his avoiding another interview my excuses would be deemed utterly insufficient and truth would not befriend and justify me as i know you are impatient to hear from me i will now dispatch this long letter without any other addition 
then i am your sincere friend eliza wharton letter forty two to mr charles dayton hartford well charles the show is over as we yankees say and the girl is my own that is if i will have her i shall take my own time for that however i have carried my point and am amply revenged in the whole posse of those dear friends of hers she was entangled by a promise not to marry this priest without my knowledge which her conscience would not let her break thank god i have no conscience if i had i believe it would have made wretched work with me i suppose she intended to have one or the other of us but preferred me i have escaped the noose this time and will be fairly hanged if i ever go near it again for indeed charles i was seriously alarmed i watched all their motions and the appearance of harmony between them awakened all my activity and zeal so great was my infatuation that i verily believe i should have asked her in marriage and risked the consequences rather than to have lost her i went to the house while mr boyer was in town but her mamma refused to call her or to acquaint her that i was there i then wrote a despairing letter and obtained a conference with her in the garden this was a fortunate event for me true eliza was very haughty and resolutely insisted on an immediate declaration or rejection i cannot say what would have been the result if mr boyer had not surprised us together he gave us a pretty harsh look and retired without speaking a word i endeavoured to detain eliza but in vain she left me on my knees which are always ready to bend on such occasions this finished the matter it seems i rose and went to a neighbour's to observe what happened and in about a half an hour saw mr boyer come out and go to his lodgings this i said to myself is a good omen i went home and was informed next day that he had mounted his horse and departed i heard nothing more of her till to-day when i determined to know how she stood affected towards me i therefore paid her a visit her mamma being luckily abroad she received me very placidly and told me on inquiry that mr boyer's resentment at her meeting me in the garden was so great that he had bade her a final adieu i congratulated myself on having no rival hoped that her favour would now be unbiased and that in due time i should reap the reward of my fidelity she begged me not to mention the subject and she had been perplexed by our competition and wished not to hear anything further about it at present i bowed in obedience to her commands and changed the discourse i informed her that i was about taking a tour to the southward that i should be absent several months and trusted that on my return her embarrassments would be over i left her with regret after all charles she is the sum and bottom of my life i must have her in some way or other nobody else shall i am resolved i am making preparations for my journey which between you and me is occasioned by the prospect of making a speculation by which i hope to mend my affairs the voyage will at least lessen my expenses and screen me from the importunity of creditors till i can look about me peter sanford letter forty three to miss eliza wharton new haven my dear eliza through the medium of my friends at hartford i have been informed of the progress of your affairs as they have transpired the detail which my sister gave me of your separation from mr boyer was painful as i had long contemplated a happy union between you but still more disagreeable sensations possessed my breast when told that you had suffered your lively spirits to be depressed and resigned yourself to solitude and dejection 
why my dear friend should you allow this event thus to affect you heaven i doubt not has happiness still in store for you perhaps greater than you could have enjoyed at that connection if the conviction of any misconduct on your part gives you pain dissipate it by the reflection that unerring rectitude is not the lot of mortals that few are to be found who have not deviated in a greater or less degree from the maxims of prudence our greatest mistakes may teach lessons that will be useful through life but i will not moralize come and see us and we will talk the matter over once and then dismiss it forever do prevail on your mamma to part with you for a month or two at least i wish you to witness how well i manage my nursery business you will be charmed with little harriet i am already enough of the mother to think her a miniature of beauty and perfection how natural and how easy the transition from one stage of life to another not long since i was a gay volatile girl seeking satisfaction in fashionable circles and amusements but now i am thoroughly domesticated all my happiness is centred within the limits of my own walls and i grudge every moment that calls me from the pleasing scenes of domestic life not that i am so selfish as to exclude my friends from my affection or society i feel interested in their concerns and enjoy their company i must own however that conjugal and parental love are the mainsprings of my life the conduct of some mothers in depriving their helpless offspring of the care and kindness which none but a mother can feel is to me unaccountable there are many nameless attentions which nothing short of maternal tenderness and solicitude can pay and for which the endearing smiles and progressive improvements of the lovely babe are an ample reward how delightful to trace from day to day the expansion of reason and the dawning of intelligence oh how i anticipate the time when these faculties shall be displayed by the organs of speech when the lisping accent shall heighten our present pleasure and the young idea be capable of direction how to shoot general richmond is not less interested by these enjoyments than myself all the father beams in his eye all the husband reigns in his heart and pervades his every action miss lawrence is soon to be married to mr layton i believe he is a mere fortune hunter indeed she has little to recommend her to any other nature has not been very bountiful either to her body or mind her parents have been shamefully deficient in her education but have secured to her what they think the chief good not considering that happiness is by no means the invariable attendant of wealth i hope this incoherent scrawl will amuse while it induces you speedily to favour us with another visit my best wishes attend your honoured mamma while i subscribe myself etc a richmond End of section 7